This is Everything Energy. Produced by the International Energy Agency. Uh, hello, I'm Jad Mawad, and welcome back to Everything uh, Energy. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Tanya Daihin. Hi, everyone. And our guest uh, this week is Brian Motherway, who's the head of Energy Efficiency, or the Energy Efficiency Division at the IA. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thank you. So in our first two episodes, we've been talking about the unprecedented shock being experienced by the energy sector uh, as a result of the limited mobility of citizens across the world in lockdown. And today, we're going to talk about energy efficiency because we know that with this health crisis has come an enormous economic shock and governments are working very hard to create effective stimulus packages. Energy efficiency has a key role to play in the way that countries all around the world can recover. And there is also a very important link between these stimulus packages and clean energy transitions that we will touch on as well. So Brian, before we step into the world of policies and stimulus packages, can you tell us a little bit more about how energy efficiency fits into the work that we do here at the IEA? We at the IEA refer to energy efficiency as the first fuel, and we encourage governments to really think about it as part of their energy policy and their strategy for clean transitions, because it's a resource, it's an energy resource that is clean, cheap, and available to every country in the world. And if they were to pay more attention to capturing the energy efficiency resource that they have, it would help make transitions cheaper. It would help economic growth and competitiveness, but it would also lower all our energy bills, which is something that's of interest to all governments. So right now, obviously, the big uh, issue is the is the pandemic and the global health crisis, which is pretty uh, quickly turning into a question of economic uh, revival um, around the world, like uh, Tanya was saying, um, a lot of governments are looking at stimulus packages to jumpstart their economies again. And in that respect, energy efficiency does have a role to play. In fact, a very important role to play, um, particularly when we look at uh, green packages, uh, clean uh, energy transition packages. So give us a bit of context of what is it about energy efficiency that can create jobs, which seems to be a big economic priority, obviously, but also meets uh, energy targets or long-term clean energy targets. One advantage energy efficiency has is there are a lot of actions that can be mobilized quickly that create jobs, that create economic stimulus, but also bring benefits like lower bills, more comfortable lifestyles, and of course, lower emissions. And that includes the construction sector, for example, where there's a huge opportunity to mobilize construction workers to improve the energy efficiency of our building stock, to build new buildings that are much more efficient than previous buildings. There's also opportunities in manufacturing and retail related to technologies like um, you know, motors or white goods or things where, where we could upgrade from the kind of equipment we have today, which is not that efficient, to much more efficient, cheaper to run, cleaner to run technologies that are available. So there's a great opportunity to align short-term stimulus, job creation here and now, economic activity here and now, but then locking in better stock of efficient equipment which from which we'll benefit for decades. So the building sector is the is the first place to look for when, when you're talking about uh, these kind of policies? When you think about going in, say, to a home to make it more energy efficient, we're talking about sending in people to insulate the walls or the loft or to put in new windows, put in a new heating system. So all of that is employment intensive, intensive. Probably half of the money you spend on an energy retrofit 
goes directly to labor, if not more. It also tends to be local SMEs doing the work. Most construction firms are SMEs. Most of the technology and equipment comes from local supply chains. So it's a real opportunity to inject money and job opportunities into local communities quickly, get people out working quickly. Uh, and of course, then the people living in those homes, their bills go down, the homes become more comfortable. Uh, and of course, we lock out a lot of future greenhouse gas emissions at the same time as well. And beyond construction, can you give us other examples of where we might see some of that play out? One sector we've seen in previous stimulus programs is technology upgrades, and that can range from cars to refrigerators to motors in industry, where you may, a government might provide incentives to effectively encourage people to replace their car or their refrigerator quicker than they might otherwise do. And you can attach that to an efficiency standard. So you can say, I will give you a subsidy if you replace your old refrigerator with a much more efficient one. And that gives people an opportunity to get a better technology. To, it'll reduce their electricity bills. It gets people working not only in the manufacture of that refrigerator, but in the supply and the retail. It creates jobs in the disposal of the old refrigerator. So there's a whole set of job benefits from that. And then, of course, you're rolling over the stock of refrigerators to much more efficient ones that will be running on less electricity, costing less for decades. And so what would you say are the, the main challenges standing in the way of better integration of energy efficiency into uh, government energy policies in general. I think it's important to note that I've been telling you how wonderful efficiency is and all the great things it can do. And then the obvious question, well, why doesn't it happen by itself? Or why haven't governments done more with it in the past? And the answer is, it does have these benefits, but they don't always come easy because you have to change consumer behavior. You might have to encourage manufacturers to build different technologies. You have to uh, look at the pricing incentives and lots of other things. So getting efficiency done on the ground is not always that easy. It requires a lot of policy responses and not just energy policy responses. So the energy minister has to take certain actions, but so does the transport minister and the employment minister and, of course, the finance minister. So you need that kind of whole of government thinking about energy efficiency. And, of course, that's why it often doesn't happen naturally. Governments sometimes tend to think about energy from a supply side and maybe not give as much attention to the demand side in terms of how people are using energy. So one key role for us at the IEA is to help governments understand how they can capture energy efficiency opportunities and what kind of policies they can take. So we spend a lot of our time helping countries learn from each other because there are many great examples around the world of, let's say, regulation to improve appliances or incentives to encourage people to buy better equipment or mass rollout programs to upgrade buildings. Around the world, there are very good examples of all of these kinds of policies. And it's just really a question of governments learning from each other to pick the ones that they can use and to encourage them to take those actions. So that's always been, in fact, one of the main challenges. And if, um, if we go back to the pre-corona uh, era, uh, BC, um, we had already seen, in fact, a slowdown in efficiency gains. So how do we make up for that uh, slowdown? And how do we address the issue today when perhaps uh, we have a higher step decline? Efficiency doesn't happen by itself. And we have been tracking for years that when governments put good policies in place, they make efficiency gains. And when they don't, they don't. So it's all about policy. It's all about good policies that are well designed and well implemented. And it, it has been worrying even before Corona to see in the last few years, despite all the talk of energy efficiency and clean transitions, 
on the ground, we're seeing less policy action by government taking place in the last few years, and hence a decline in progress. We're still making progress. Every year, the world becomes more energy efficient, but the rate of improvement has been slowing down for the last few years because the policy action has not been strong enough. So for us, a key focus is to help governments understand what are their policy options, what actions they can take, what it will cost to put those actions in place, but what they will benefit in terms of economic gains, enhanced growth, enhanced energy security. And governments have plenty to learn from each other in this regard. So you, you mentioned this in your opening uh, answer, Brian, about um, efficiency being the first fuel um, that, that we consider the first fuel. Um, it's also maybe in some ways the hidden fuel. And it is something that um, if you don't have oil or gas or coal, every country is endowed with the potential for energy efficiency. So I'm curious, again, to sort of dig a little bit deeper into um, this, uh, this issue of who, who do you talk to um, when you try to uh, address these efficiency policies? You mentioned that um, you need to talk to the energy ministry, but also the finance ministry, the, uh, maybe the labor ministry. I mean, what is, what, what is the ministry of energy efficiency? Wh- who do you have to convince for these uh, policies to sort of be um, uh, pushed through government? Well, I think you've put your finger on the problem because we work with governments all over the world and we find with energy ministries, they they understand in theory that energy efficiency is a very good thing, but they they are sometimes struggling to know what action to take or maybe they're frustrated that they're not making as much progress as they would like to. And that's because not everything is in their control. And that's why, for instance, we put a lot of emphasis on, on on describing the benefits of energy efficiency. So we gather a lot of evidence about how many jobs it creates, how it improves economic growth, how it enhances people's well-being in their homes. And if you're an energy ministry trying to gain support from the finance ministry or the health ministry, this kind of evidence can really make a difference because you need all of government aligned towards energy efficiency. And to be frank, there's no better time to do that than now because economic stimulus is going to be the number one priority for every government on the planet and it's going to be driving actions in every single ministry and and putting energy efficiency in there as a key opportunity for economic stimulus will really create a unique opportunity to align all of those policies and all of those ministries towards the efficiency opportunities that they have can we maybe take a little bit of a detour here because we talk a lot at the IEA, you talk a lot about government policy, and we are a, a policy organization. But to what extent is there also, uh, maybe in some ways, uh, efficiency has taken, or efficiency policy have taken different, uh, maybe over the years, different iterations, maybe emphasizing personal responsibility, sometimes maybe emphasizing uh, savings that individuals could gain from uh, buying efficient ap- appliances, for instance. Um, can you maybe just give us, you, you've been in this field for, for a, a bit of time, can you give us a sense of some of those things that have worked and perhaps even some of the things that haven't worked? And, and where are we today in essentially selling efficiency? I think when you talk to some people about efficiency, they give you a bit of a look and, and it has a kind of slightly negative reputation in, in two regards. One is it tends to have been oversold in the past. It tends to have been efficiency zealots going out and saying it's easy to capture all these gains and all you have to do is put this policy in place and you'll save millions and everyone will be happy. And it, it, efficiency is not that easy. It takes good policy that's well implemented, that's followed up with. So it is. it does take work, but it will give you the rewards if you do that work. But secondly, efficiency, as you say, has had this negative connotation that it's sometimes this kind of 
sacrificial agenda that you maybe I'll sit at home and put on an extra layer of clothes and turn down the thermostat or, you know, uh, and particularly I think for, for some fast growing economies where they feel sometimes that efficiency messages sound like using energy is a bad thing or growing your energy system is a bad thing. And, and we always stress that energy efficiency is an essential part of growing prosperity and economies in a sustainable way that making the best use of infrastructure, lowering the investment costs you need for energy system, but also ultimately making people's lives better. And I think that perception of efficiency has really changed. And we put a lot of effort in, as, as I said earlier, to measuring the positive benefits in terms of making people's lives better, creating jobs, creating wealth. But also now, I think with all of the digital technology that surrounds us, efficiency can be associated with with more comfortable, more convenient lives. So 10 years ago, if I said to you about being energy efficient in your home, you might have been thinking about, you know, not being warm all the time or, you know, kind of having to remember to turn the lights off every time you left the room or something like that. Whereas now all that's done by apps. You can be the grooviest guy on your street because your phone controls lights coming on and off before you come home and you can set temperatures in every room to be exactly what you want them. And this can all be integrated. It's saving you money, but it's making your life more convenient. And of course, that's all that's all possible, not just in the home, but at a system level. So smart technology is really repositioning energy efficiency in a much more positive way. And so who drives that? I mean, again, just going back to um, the issue about sort of action here, is it, is it a bottoms up approach? You know, that consumers will want to use these, you know, my fridge talks to my, you know, microwave talks to my, you know, whatever app and, and that drives change or is it more of a top down or policy driven approach? I think, in fact, in the last few years, the experience has mostly been inventors have been driving it because they've been putting something out in the market. This app can do this for you or this widget can do this for you. And then they have to get two audiences to catch up with them. One is people who might want that. So the consumer, okay, I actually I didn't realize I could control that piece of kit in my house. I didn't know that a a smart kettle was something I might want. But now you can try and sell it to me if you want. And then second, of course, government, because in a in a an area of fast innovation, which digital technology uh, clearly is, it can be difficult for policymakers and regulators to keep up. By definition, they're conservative people when they're regulating markets and regulating technologies. And there are big questions here around privacy, data ownership, and, and, and many other questions. So it's right that policymakers be cautious. But of course, industry is moving fast and there are a lot of new applications for digital technology for big data for uh, you know algorithms they're coming every day every day you can see uh, on the web somebody saying i've invented something that'll help you save energy or make your life more wonderful or whatever else but that tends to be where the driving has come from and sometimes uh, to be honest it's it's kind of solutions looking for a problem and i think that was certainly the first phase of it but now i think it has matured into a point now now where it's quite easy to buy a nice kit that will make your home more comfortable and of course a lot of it's invisible it's a lot of smart technology in a new car today there's a huge amount of smart technology being employed in building management or in factory management or things like that so i think we have reached a point of maturity and i think it's really important for governments to recognize that they have to have the right policies in place to enable this kind of revolution, but also to protect citizens and consumers from it going in the wrong direction. So I think that idea of policy readiness, which is something we have put forward in in some of our publications, is to encourage governments to think about the range of policy actions they need to be looking at to be ready for what this innovation wave can do for them. 
Um, so one of the things that we wanted to also touch on uh, was the work of the Global Commission for Urgent Action on Energy Efficiency. But just before we get to that, uh, as we were talking about making people's lives better and how energy efficiency has a role to play there, I, I just wanted to touch briefly on how energy efficiency is fitting into developing economies as well. So energy efficiency can make everyone's lives better. And, you know, in parts of the world where we have plenty of energy and we can afford it, we're, we're, we're able to benefit from more comfortable homes, more convenient lifestyles. But efficiency is even more important in situations where people either don't have access to energy or access to affordable energy. Because first of all, if you think about countries who are trying to build out electricity grids uh, to supply electricity to all their citizens, if people are using that energy, if that electricity is going into more efficient lights and more efficient appliances, well, then the size of the investment necessary to reach all the citizens drops dramatically. And you can meet the needs of people with fewer power stations, with fewer overhead wires. The investment needs go down considerably if you're building a very efficient system. And even more than that, when you think about going off grid, where situations where people are trying to get access to energy services in more remote areas, efficiency is already playing a really important role in off grid systems driven, for instance, by solar systems. In many parts of Africa now, you can buy or rent a complete energy system that might include a solar panel, a battery, a phone charger, maybe a television, maybe a couple of lights, things like that. You can buy this whole kit and you're not thinking about kilowatt hours and you're not thinking about supply and demand. You just want these lifestyle benefits. You want your home to be lit. You want to be able to charge your phone. And the fact that the solar panel and the battery can do that in an affordable way is entirely because those appliances are super, super efficient. They're really low energy demand in the television, low energy demand in the lights. And that makes those standalone systems possible in a f and affordable in a way that wasn't even imaginable a few years ago. So efficiency is very high on the IA's agenda this year. Can you just give us a sense of what to expect in the coming months? It's an exciting time for efficiency at the IEA because we're putting a lot of emphasis in supporting governments to understand what they can achieve through efficiency and how to achieve it. And we realize that the problem for progress on energy efficiency is not that the technologies are not available. It's not that the, the economics are not sound. We know that countries, if they were to exploit all the available efficiency technologies that are already existing and already fully affordable, they could more than double their rate of progress on energy efficiency. So we feel that we need to support governments at a policy level at understanding what are the right policy choices, what are the right ways of governing and delivering energy efficiency. And the Global Commission for Urgent Action on Energy Efficiency is a really exciting development because we brought around the table high-level experts from around the world, including ministers and former ministers, heads of state, heads of companies, leading thinkers, to really focus not on the technical minutiae of efficiency, but on the high-level policy principles. If a government wants to make faster action on energy efficiency, what are the kinds of policies and, and actions it should be taking here and now? And of course, urgent action on energy efficiency has never been more urgent. Now is the perfect time to be talking to governments about to how about how to make quick progress on efficiency that can support short-term stimulus goals as well as longer-term economic and clean energy goals. So just a month from now, we will be publishing the recommendations of the Global Commission. At the same time, we will hold our fifth annual Global Conference on Energy Efficiency online this year. Uh, it'll be a very big IEA event where we will reach out to stakeholders all over the world to engage them in a conversation about how to make fast and urgent action on energy efficiency. One aspect maybe to consider as well is that um, 
energy prices generally are pretty low these days. And I wonder uh, is, if, if that's going to be a barrier to efficient, efficient gains on efficiency and if that's not going to uh, you know, slow down progress because, in fact, energy is relatively cheaper these days. It certainly creates challenges because when energy prices are low, the incentive both for governments and consumers to focus on efficiency are certainly lower. There's no doubt about that. On the other hand, many other factors go into decisions about energy use and energy efficiency than price. And we know this simply because for many years, there's been a huge amount of economic opportunity to become more efficient that people haven't taken. We as citizens are wasting energy every day, even though it makes economic sense not to do so. Obviously, low price exacerbates that, but, but there are more factors. And one particular factor, of course, now for efficiency is it's deployable very, very quickly as an economic stimulus activity. It has a real opportunity to help governments create jobs quickly, to create economic activity quickly, while at the same time building in greater resilience into their energy systems where they're less dependent on imports, the cost base is lower, the bills to consumers is lower, and all that can happen relatively fast. So efficiency has a real opportunity to be part of stimulus packages now. Brian, maybe another question here. I know we've talked a lot about the here and now, obviously uh, colored by the, the current crisis, but efficiency has a major, major role to play um, in the long run and then decades to come to meet our long-term climate goals. Um, and in fact, in the World Energy Outlook, uh, we see the share that efficiency has to handle uh, to, to get us to, uh, to meeting these long-term targets. And to me, one of the really uh, telling examples, uh, one of many, that, that uh, you came up with in, uh, recently was the story of uh, air conditioners and how the growth of, of, air condition, of energy demand just from air conditioners uh, is going to be quite staggering. And that can be uh, very, very much slowed down just by adopting best-in-class uh, standards, not by coming up with new technology, but just by adopting best-in-class standards. So can you just walk us through maybe um, some of that thinking around the, the long-term need and prospects for, for more efficient energy use around the world. Air conditioning kind of sums up energy efficiency well because doing air conditioning in a more efficient way brings a lot of benefits. And, and now is the time to be thinking about that because there are many emerging and developing nations where so far very few people own air conditioners because they can't afford them in contrast to some countries like US, Japan and others where almost everybody owns air conditioner. And if you think about countries like India or Africa or Southeast Asia, if people continue to buy air conditioners at the rate they do, which of course is something they want to do when they can afford it, it makes their lives more comfortable, it, it brings benefits to them, the electricity system simply won't be able to cope. If everybody just buys an inefficient air conditioner, brings it home and plugs it in, the, the system can't provide that much electricity, particularly at peak times, never mind the climate implications and the economic implications. And therefore, governments have a lot of incentives to think about how to make the growth of air conditioning and cooling more generally more efficient. And that ranges from building better buildings, better ways in which we plan our cities and our living. But probably the simplest thing any government can do is to drive the uh, a growth in efficiency of the air conditioners being sold. Our analysis shows that in every single market of the world, the, the average air conditioner being sold is less than half as efficient as the best one being sold. So the best, the much better technologies are available here and now. Sometimes they cost a little bit more. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's a question of they're not the, the mass market product that, that is being pushed by retailers or whatever else. But governments can take action to kind of regulate or incentivize or whatever they want to do to drive people towards buying better air conditioners. 
And it's a win-win because people spend a lot of money putting electricity into air conditioners. They'll spend twice as much if they buy a bad one as they will if they spend a good one. Electricity systems will have a lot more space to grow. Global greenhouse gas emissions will come way down. And the benefits of air conditioning can be brought to millions of people, billions of people in a much more affordable and sustainable way. Well, I think that just about brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Thank you very much. And uh, to our listeners, thank you again for joining us. We encourage you to subscribe on whichever platform you are using to listen to the show. If you'd like to find out more about energy efficiency, you can go to our website, ia.org.